Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-15 through 15. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urge Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, and not according to what one does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance may all, that their abundance also may supply your lack, and there may be equality. As it is written, He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. And then into chapter 9. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness, about which I boast of you to the Macedonians, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has stirred up the majority. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain to this res- in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So that each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, 
He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God, while through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, you long, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Good morning once again. There's a story told about two men who were marooned on an island out in the middle of the ocean. And there were, one man was, he was just very anxious. He was pacing back and forth. He was, he was wringing his hands. He was, he was just in, in tears. And the other man was sitting around. He was sunning himself and just relaxing and enjoying the time. So the first man says to the second, says, Aren't you worried? Aren't you concerned? Don't you think we're going to die? And the second man says, No, I'm not worried. I make $100,000 a week, and I give a tithe to my church. I handwrite it every week. My church will find me. (laughs) So this is a uh, talk today on stewardship. Stewardship. Where's my thing? There we go. Is this turned on? Yes, it is. No, it's not turned on. There we go. I got it. All right. Stewardship. It's my pleasure to talk today about stewardship. Seems to be what the treasurer always gets to do this talk. (laughs) Stewardship is no is more than more than money. It's the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. It's managing everything God brings into our lives in a manner that honors him. And we have all been given a stewardship. We have our our time, our lives, our finances, property, and the gospel. We've been given a stewardship of the gospel as well. And these are ours because God has given them to it. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all who dwell therein, for he founded upon the seas and established them on the waters. God is the creator, and he owns everything. Everything that we possess is just on loan from him. Jesus said in uh, John twelve twenty five, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. So we can't hold on to anything. We can't even hold on to our lives. He went on to say in, in Luke 12:48, for everyone who has much, much is given from him, much will be required, and to whom much has been committed of him, he will ask the more. And we've been given a lot, and we're responsible for it, and we're going to be held accountable 
for how we use the resources that he gives us. So three, um, three different topics I want to talk about on, uh, on what we've stewardship is time, our talents, and our treasure. We've been given a stewardship over our lives, our time. Benjamin Franklin said, time is the stuff life is made of. I always thought Shakespeare said that, but it was, it was uh, Ben Franklin. Time is the stuff life is made of. We don't want to waste our time. We're all given a different number of years. We're all given 24 hours in a day. And we're responsible for how we use that 24 hours. And we're to use it wisely. Paul says in Ephesians 5, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Can I get an amen there? Days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Jesus thought this was very important, too. He said, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, for the night is coming when no one can work. And it's coming, and it may be soon. Night is coming. None of us wants to come to the end of our lives and, and look back on our lives and say that we've, we've wasted, we've, we've spent our time on worthless activities. Um, of course, that doesn't mean we can't take time for rest or relaxation. The preacher said in, in uh, Ecclesiastes, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. But the secret is redeeming the time, using it wisely, uh, and uh, understanding the will of the Lord. Next thing we are stewardship over is our talents. Our talents, abilities, our spiritual gift. We've all been given a stewardship over these things. Bob's already talked about the spiritual gifts and how uh, some, we've all gotten a spiritual gift and God's has placed us here for the ministry among this fellowship and then in further on into the world. Let's see. Go back here. Talked about in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, now... God has set the members, each of them, in the body just as he pleased. And he pleased because this body needs these certain gifts, and he's placed us here, and we need to be using that gift for the betterment of the, of the assembly and for the glory of God. You're all probably all familiar with the parable that Jesus uh, talked about the uh, man who, uh, Lord, who sent, sent his servants and sent them into the... Um, into the world with uh, one with three talents, one with two talents, one with one talent. And then after a time, he came back to settle accounts with them. The ones who had used their time or talents productively, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And that's what we all want to hear when we get to the end of our lives is well done, good and faithful servant. Of course, I understand that talent here is a, is a weight or a measure, but it then applies to all the things that we have, our abilities, our talents, our possessions, everything we, have, we will be held accountable for. All right, the third thing is our treasure, our treasure. The Old Testament required uh, 
giving back to the Lord, worshiping the Lord with tithes and offerings. In, uh, before the law, Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek when he returned after defeating the kings. After the law, it says in Deuteronomy, you shall truly tithe all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year. This is after the law. Even the uh, Levites and priests who were dependent upon the tithes of the people were to give a tithe. It said Numbers 18, speak thus to the Levites and say to them, when you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering to the Lord, a tenth of the tithe. So everybody was responsible to give a tithe. But that's... That's Old Testament, okay? Today, I talk about offerings now. Um, before the law, in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering to the fruit of the ground of the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of his fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Then after the law in Exodus, this is what everyone among you shall be numbered, shall, who are numbered shall give. Half a shekel according to the shekel of the sanctuary. The half shekel shall be an offering, a heave offering or a contribution to the Lord. So before and after the law, offerings were required. In the law, God is taking care of those who minister to him on behalf of the people with these, with these offerings. Today, we understand that our offerings are a free will, a free will offering Offer to God in thanksgiving for everything he's done for us. God does not demand a half a shekel. He doesn't demand a tithe. In fact, he doesn't want your money. Isn't that shocking? He doesn't want your money. What does he want? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, or spiritual act of worship. It's the only reasonable thing that God wants. It's only a reasonable thing for you to give, is to give your body a living sacrifice. Offering to God is, is, uh, is not an unreasonable demand. He deserves it all. He created it. He redeemed you. And he has bought you back with his, with his own blood. He demands all See, we missed it, Jordan. Yeah, here we are. In fact, if you would like to be his disciple, you likewise, you all you possess, you need, you need to forsake to be his disciple. This is an acceptable offering in God's economy. So we'll move on to the example of the Macedonian church that was given here in 2 Corinthians. He says to them, I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we should receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. They first gave themselves to the Lord before they gave anything else. Their generosity in giving is because they had first given themselves to the Lord 
It had flowed from their love for Jesus and that what he had done for them. They were able to go generously because of the grace of God. Got that up here? No. It's just the grace of God, the charis of God. The same word, same Greek word means spiritual gift. It means grace. Uh, it's the grace of God. That's the only way that we can work, we can give out of our own or give away, give away things that we desire or for ourselves, our selfishness, and only be overcome by the grace of God. So they gave beyond their ability because they gave out of and despite their poverty. They were gave according to their ability because it was according to what they had and not what they did not have. And it was beyond their ability and that it was sacrificial, which is something that we don't see very much. I, I have trouble with that. The American church is, does not give sacrificial, I don't think. Uh, I think the richer you get, the more stingy you get, in my experience. That's, that's my personal experience as well. God's grace is needed for any of us to act contrary to our natural selfish inclinations. It was the grace of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes, that we, through his poverty, might become rich. So Paul makes uh, then the appeal to the Corinthian churches uh, regarding this. He says, now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians and that Achaia was ready to go a year ago and your zeal has stirred up the majority. So just like the um, church in Macedonia, the, the church in, churches in Corinth had that zeal, that earnestness, that uh, eagerness to give a year ago. But then something happened. We don't know what happened, but, but they, they apparently, apparently lost the zeal. The churches of Macedonia were, were not rich, were not wealthy churches. They didn't have huge buildings and fine grounds and sanctuaries and pipe organs and steeples. Um, they, they were impoverished and under persecution, but they found joy in giving relief to those that were suffering in Jerusalem because they had given themselves to the Lord. And they gave themselves because he was the owner of all things, and they were dependent upon him and him alone to meet their needs. God met the need of the Jerusalem saints, but he used the saints in Macedonia to meet that need. So Paul appeals to the church in Achaia regarding their giving. He did not want them to be burdened. He just wanted, uh, or, or other, while others are eased, he only desired an equality. This is not communism this is this is voluntary uh, communityism you might say so they would supply their lack when the uh, and when the tables were turned that the others would supply their lack so he starts out in his appeal by giving a positive comment that's always a good idea to say something positive before you layer the lower the boom he says but as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in, dil in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. So they were not abounding in the grace of giving. They had desired eagerly to give the year before, but they had not done it. 
but uh, so God, so Paul reminds them of that, reminds them of their their eagerness, their willingness to give. The churches in Macedonia were literally as poor as church mice, um, but they gave eagerly, and Paul saw that same zeal in the Corinthian church as well. Um, I've been very blessed to see how we share with one another here and how there's, if anyone has a need, someone always comes in and meets that need, as, as Abby was saying earlier about this uh, need for a car or a need for this or that. But, uh, it's, it's, it's a joy to see that in this church. So next he gave some encouragement. They needed some encouragement. They had the eagerness. They needed some encouragement and <coughs> exhortation. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not of grudging uh, obligation. He didn't want them to be embarrassed when the, the need came up and they came to collect the money, but he, uh, he wanted to remind them of that. So he, he, uh, it's always good to get a little reminder once in a while about your your need. We don't send out bills here. <laughs> You'll notice, but it's good to make a, an exhortation occasionally to give. Paul wisely sends Titus uh, to the Corinthian church to remind them and encourage them so that there be two or three witnesses and everything would be done in order. This is why we have two men count the money every Sunday and I have a third one that that reviews the books. And so we do things uh, properly and, and orderly so that there can be no obligation. I've heard of plenty of churches where, where there's been money extort, extorted or embezzled. embezzled. And uh, that's, that's terrible. It, it destroys churches. It destroys ministries. It destroys families. So we want to do things uh, in order and properly. He exhorted uh, them in this manner that they would give generously and freely because they didn't want it to be a grudging obligation. There was uh, also a test to prove their love. They talked a good game, but it is what they do that proves the test, not what they say. Obedience and following here has always been challenging for, for all of us. Obeying, we know the word, we read the word. But we don't always obey the word, do we? I found this yeah, found this passage in Ezekiel. It's, it, it would be funny and, and charming if it were not so sad. So they come to you as people do, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show that much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Indeed, you are to them a very lovely song of one who has a pleasant voice, and you play well on an instrument, for they hear your words, but they do not do them. In a, in a beautiful way to put the, our disobedience. <laughs> our disobedience. So like many of us, we hear the word of God, but we do not do it. Proverbs 3.28 says, Do not say to your neighbor, Go, Come back, and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. John says in 1 John 3, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, 
How does the love of God abide in him? My little, whoops. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So I'll ask you, as I ask myself, are you eager and even zealous to give? Or do you need exhortation, encouragement? Are you an eager steward of the gospel? All right, so next we have the elements, the elements of giving, the elements of giving, or the principles in giving. It says, it says, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It's an axiom of, of how you reap and sow. If you sow corn, you're going to get corn. If you sow peas, you're going to get peas. If you sow uh, just a few seeds, you're just going to get a few plants. But if you pour out the seeds, if you spread the gospel, you're going to get a more bountiful return. Just like the uh, sower in Jesus' parable who was spread the, spread the seed everywhere. He didn't care where it landed. It landed on rocks. It landed in the weeds. It landed in the bristles. Landed on good soil. Landed everywhere. He was just spreading the seed. That was his job. Spread the seed. So he, he, he wasn't concerned about the fruit. That wasn't his job. It's God who is... is behind the word of God, and he will bring out the fruit from it. Our job is to spread the seed bountifully. When we give to a charity, we want to make sure that we don't just pour the, throw the money to charities without investigating. Always investigate the charity and make sure it's one that is reliable and uses their funds properly. But then when you give it to them, the onus is on them to use the money wisely. So after prayer, uh, uh, Share Jesus with any and everybody, as I think Eddie said earlier, with any, anybody and everybody, especially those that are least likely to respond because they're probably, they might respond. You never know. Next principles. So let each give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly of necessity. So it's a, it's a heart thing. You would make your own decision. God doesn't want a tenth or a 50% or, or he does, certainly doesn't want a tip. God doesn't want your tip. He wants you to decide, prayerfully decide how much you're going to give. And you don't compare yourself with anybody else. You don't compare yourself with any, any uh, percentage like a tenth or 15 or I'm going to do more. I'm going to give 20. You don't compare yourself with others. You purpose in your own heart. And you don't want to do it grudgingly or of necessity. Not grudgingly. It's not something you have to do. Well, here's your money. <laughs> it's not grudging. It's not of necessity. But God loves a cheerful giver. The word there is hilarious. Where we get our English word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. He just wants to, just wants to give. Hilarious. I told the story of few years ago, when I was looking at my uh, year-end giving, I was looking to decide what charities to give to, and I was looking at how much I had given this year versus previous years, 
and I was way below. It was a big sum I needed to give. I'm going to be anywhere near what I'd given before. And so I could either keep it and give most of it to Uncle Sam, or I could give it away. So I got that amount, and I just started writing checks to charities that I'd written to before or I wanted to give before. I just had a hilarious time. I was just writing checks and putting them in an envelope and putting stamps on and mailing them off, and I was just having a great time. It was a hilarious time. I loved it. And that's not the end of the story. At the very end of the year, our practice always empties out our checking accounts so we don't have to pay corporate tax. And so my boss came to me and said, you're getting a bonus from that, and here it is. It was the exact amount that I had just given away hilariously. Of course, that created another problem. I had to give away some more. <laughs> so giving can be hilarious if you, uh, if you allow it to be. So, and guess what? God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God is able to do that. He's able to multiply the loaves and the fishes for the, for the multitude. He can also provide all sufficiency for you. So, are you sowing the gospel bountifully or sparingly? Now my favorite part. You can call this the expansion or the impact of our giving. Second Corinthians 9.10 Now he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. What a deal. God provides the seed. God provides the, for all the needs. He provides the, the, all the profits. All we contribute is our little small, whatever we want to give, this small thing. He does all the work, and he gives, gives us credit for the fruits of righteousness. Isn't that wonderful? And while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God for the administration of the service, not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God, while through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. So look at all this times. God is thanked. God is thanked. God is glorified. They're praying for you. All kinds of benefits. And then, of course, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Anything we would give to God is of little consequence compared to the incomparable gift that He's given us. Lord Jesus, giving out of get out of giving us out of our poverty into his uh, bounty because of what he did. So here's kind of a list of the, th of the uh, benefits of giving. We are enriched rather than impoverished by our giving. 
We don't lose anything. It's kind of like, <clears throat> like when you're giving to charity, you're, uh, you're, not, you're impoverishing the government by, uh, by your tax deduction. But, <laughs> but we're not, we're not uh, impoverished. We are enriched. The needs of the saints are met. God is glorified and much thanksgiving is given to God. Our faith and love are proven to be genuine by our obedience. The saints who benefited are praying for us. And the gift that we've been given is indescribable. Indescribable. God has promised to meet our needs. Matthew 6 Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? God will provide for you and provide for others. The early church shared all things in common, so that they had enough. Like I say, this is community, not communism, because it is voluntary. God also promises to give you back generously if you give. Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Don't miss that last phrase. How about that? If you're a stingy giver, guess what you're going to get? (laughs) That's right. It will be measured back to you. You can bank on it. But God promises to pour out his blessings and resources on the one who trusts in him in giving. Malachi 3.10 Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it. Solomon also spoke about the importance of giving generously. In Proverbs 11, there is one who scatters yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. God wants to pour out his blessings on our church. A healthy church does not miss out on any of the blessings that God wants to give and desires to give. Yahweh gave a strong rebuke to the people and the religious leaders of Malachi. He said, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. You all may not have a superabundance of money to give. And that's fine. God knows. He doesn't want you to give, give uh, if you don't have money. But if you think in your budget that you don't have money to give to the church, you need to examine your heart. You need to examine your heart. Think of the, the uh, poor widow who put her two mites in the offering box. And Jesus 
commended her for that. We don't know her name, but her story is recorded in God's eternal word. So just as Jesus met the needs of the hungry congregation, our gifts will meet the needs of the saints and will bear fruit in righteousness. Fruits of righteousness will abound, and this will cause thanksgiving to redound to God. So all this is accomplished not because we have done some great work, but because God who supplied the, buys the gifts is great. So applications, how do you spend your time, talents, money? Is it on your own desires or to advance the kingdom of God? And are you withholding anything from the Lord? We learned yesterday at the uh, uh, men's breakfast about withholding is what, what was done by Ananias and Sapphira. And you saw, remember what happened to them. It's also translated pilfering. You're pilfering, you're robbing God if you're not giving uh, what you're supposed to. Are you missing blessings because you don't trust God to meet your needs? I love hearing the stories of uh, Paul. Bob tells about how he ha he has a need and he doesn't he doesn't have any way of having it met, and then he gets a check out of the in his mailbox out of nowhere. Uh, God God has ways of meeting needs. <clears throat> I remember another story. Uh, pastor or uh, our pastor's wife told at our other church. This woman was was so poor that she didn't have any toilet paper. She didn't have any money to buy any toilet paper. So she prayed, and that night, some hoodlums came to the neighborhood, <laughs> and you know what they did? <laughs> they poured out toilet paper all over the trees in, their, in, her, in her yard and neighboring yards, and so she spent the next morning pulling out that toilet paper, <laughs> and she had toilet paper provided by God. God knows how to meet needs. Are you missing the blessing of giving to others? To others. We need to be giving within the church and outside the church. To, inward and outward. We're not to be an inwardly focused church. We're going to be outwardly as well. So is there a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us everything into our hands for our stewardship. I pray that we would be good stewards, wise stewards of those things that you've given us. We pray for that. We would, we would pray before we even spend any money that you would, that uh, you would be placed first, that we would acknowledge you in all our ways and you will direct our paths. And we, we just look forward to seeing what you're going to do and how you're going to build this healthy church into an even more healthy church and that you will get the glory and the thanksgiving. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.